What number is this, Chip? Episode 86, Peter Tork drops some big hints about Shoe Suede Blues, a monkey's color cast commentary for Prince and the Poppers, and a zilch button lands at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hashtag induct the monkeys. Hashtag who's got the zilch button. And more, right? Absolutely. Always room for more. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome to another episode of your podcast full of monkeys, Zilch. I'm one of your hosts here today, Ken Mills. I'm joined by Melanie Mitchell. Hello. Christine Wolf. Hi, everybody. And Sarah Clark. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. And on behalf of myself and the entire Zilch staff, we would like to wish the lovely Coco Dolans a happy birthday on April 5th. Happy birthday, Coco. We love you. And today, we are doing another Monkey's Color Cast Commentary. For which episode, Melanie? The Prince and the Paupers. Yay! Hey, you're my double. So we look forward to that. But before... I look backward to it. I look backward to it. Well, yeah, you would. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, let's check out some Monkey's News. You guys ready? Mickey Dolans and Peter Tork will be at the Wizard World in St. Louis coming up, and you have time to get there and see them. And Peter Tork was recently interviewed by a friend of the show, Tom O'Keefe and John Carney, and he let slip some really cool news. Let's listen to that right now. Peter Tork on Big 550 KTRS, the talk of St. Louis. Peter Tork spills some dirt on an upcoming Shoe Suede Blue CD and Wizard World. Okay, Doesn't that make it hard to play the CD if you spill dirt on it? No. Oh, okay. Here we come. Kato Kalen was with us last hour, and he's going to take part next weekend in Wizard World Comic Con, which has got a long way from what it used to be. It used to be just... The guy that was the man in the window in the Trouble with Tribbles episode on Star Trek. That's branched out. It's like, hey, we could get more people if we maybe broaden the interest besides science fiction. You'll still get some of that. You'll get Scream Queens from slasher movies. But you'll also get musical influence. Gene Simmons is coming in and Mickey Dolenz and Peter Tork also coming in. Peter joins us now. And Peter, I don't think I need to reintroduce you to Tom O'Keefe because I believe you filed two separate uh, injunctions against him. Uh, and he was just doing my movie well reviews. Too, I might add. And he wanted to hang out, so I said, "Well, I think who better than to talk to Peter with me than Tom O'Keefe?" Almost welcome to town. Hi, hey Tommy, how you doing? Okay, I reckon. And yourself? I'm doing great. <laughs> I think the first time you and I had a conversation 
you had just formed a band. Not the Monkees, but the uh, Shoe Suede Blues. Shoe Suede Blues, you got it right. My God, that's great. Yes, uh, so that was about 45 years ago, right? So uh, just uh, only a minute. Could have been. Um, yeah, Shoe Suede Blues is my, is my personal blues band. We're working on a, a Lead Belly tribute album now, which should be out in um, maybe about six weeks, maybe a couple months. And, um, and and it is where I love to be if I'm not actually doing Wizard World or, or Monkeys concerts or something. I'm, blues band is times are a number of iterations too. I don't know if you if you've heard the current you've heard the current lineup, but uh, it's changed over the years and everyone seems to be a little bit better than the last, which is the way I like it. And you and Mickey traveling together on this, or at least uh, both showing up here, so. What what kind of relationship do you guys have? Do you hang out or just figure you're going to see each other at concerts and Wizard World events? We have hung out. It's not it's not like an everyday thing. Uh, you know, twenty seven hundred miles of residence separate in between us, so it's hard to like drop over for coffee. <clears throat> but um, uh, there are occasions when we're in each other's neighborhood. And um, he did a show in New York just recently. I couldn't get down there. It's about about three hours away from where I am. But uh, uh, but he has done shows in New York that I have gone down to see. And he has come to shows of mine. Um, and um, it's uh, it's it's cordial, you know. We're we're pretty good buds, really. Well, and I, uh, I and I ask about that because I read a couple of things that kind of surprised me when you were talking about Michael Nesmith, and then it was like you never really had an opportunity to get close to him. You guys never really clicked. Wait, 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 wait. There were plenty of opportunities. Okay, but... But it didn't click. Yeah. So yeah. Why, why do you, why do like you think... Like I said, I have a lot of respect and admiration for Michael. <clears throat> He's an enormously talented guy. And some of this, you know, and like everybody else, you know, there's things he does I like better than, than other things he does. Uh, but it's just on a personality basis. We just never know that. That's all. It's one of those things. Uh, Peter, can you talk about uh, the latest Monkeys release, "Good Times"? It was it was, and how well received it was. It was an amazing record. Thank you. Um, it is an amazing record. Uh, it was uh, it was great to have some really good reception. It's like, you know, the there were um, I don't know the very nature of the beast when it came to the Monkeys project sort of made it uh, uh, automatic that there were going to be haters. Sure. Uh, among them, those in charge of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as it turns out. But um, for the most part, uh, the haters have gone on to find other things to hate. <laughs> and uh, and we've sort of outlived them, outgrown them or something. And the people who, you know, and really, 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 always, always, always my take is, if you don't like it, leave it alone. You know, there's just no reason to run around making sure that everybody else knows how awful something may be, when in fact it's only awful for the people who think it's awful. And and you know, I, I and, and maybe <clears throat> some of it has to do with the fact that I cared once upon a time. <laughs> no longer. You know, so somebody is, wants to put a hating on us. You know, I know that that doesn't affect me that that and I'm, i i feel sad and sorry for the haters because there's more to life than that that you you could be some guy once a was staring at me i said what do you what what's up with you he said i don't like your face all right 
I thought, why don't you look at something you do like? How about these feet, huh? One on each side. Yeah. <laughs> I got great shoes. You should check out. Some of those early monkey hits coming out of the Brill Building, if I'm not mistaken, and help from Neil, sure. Neil Diamond on that. So, uh-huh. and, and Carol Neil, King, don't forget Carol King, my God. And 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 Carol King still working. Neil Diamond still working. So, did you ever talk to them about saying, "Hey, how about writing another song for us, just to see if we could put lightning in a bottle again"? Uh, as a matter of fact, no. <laughs> Didn't like your no, face. No, no, haven't talked. I've never spoken to Neil Diamond. And Carol King, you know, came through to kind of check us out as we were starting to roll. And I don't even know what happened there, but something went screwy, and we haven't spoken since then. On the text line, somebody wanted me to ask you about Harry Nielsen. Hi. Let me talk about Harry Nielsen. Did did they want to know anything specific? No, sadly, they did not elaborate on that. Were you chums? Yes, to a certain extent. Not like Mickey was. Mickey and he were... Bosom pals, they were really close and hung up uh, uh, really tight in uh, in what we might call the, the Troubadour Dantana days, uh, back when uh, <laughs> my friend James Lee Stanley, who's a pretty good entertainer in his own right, was up on the stage of the Troubadour. He says, I remember when the stage was large, uh, when the stage was smaller and the clouds were larger. <laughs> 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 but in the old days, when it was, you know... Uh, Linda Ronstadt would be hanging out in the bar, and you get to chat with Linda and, and whoever else was in town. Um, and it was it was a hotbed. It was a real focal point for the good stuff that was going on. And if you wanted to drink and have an Italian dinner, Dantana's was right next door. Might even still be for all I know. Um, and um, uh, those days are not with us any longer. But when they were. There was the Harry Nielsen days. Uh, I think Lennon was, John Lennon was in, I was out of town by that point, but I think John Lennon was hanging at Dantana's and, and the Troubadour as well back then. And Lennon, um, if I'm not mistaken, was in a little band called the Beatles. Um, and you guys... Not, not then. You, I think this was, this was post-Beatles. You guys compared, in fact, called the Prefab Four. I love that joke. It just some, knocks me on my ass. It's such a good joke. On, on some occasions, and you guys had a chance to meet. John was a big fan of the bands. And and you seem to be, from things that I've read, were a little partial, at least as a human being, to Ringo. Did you get to spend some time with any of those guys? Uh, a little bit with each of them uh, in varying amounts. Um, and, yes, Ringo is the, uh, was the, the, the human being. The other guys were human doings, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I met uh, I met George before the, the monkeys came out. He'd he'd heard of us. Uh, I was dating Cass Elliott's sister for a while, and uh, we were at Cass's house. And George came by. I got to meet him there. And uh, afterwards, uh, uh, when uh, then there was this monkeys meet the Beatles party. Three monkeys met three Beatles. I don't remember which one of us was missing. Uh, but uh, Ringo was not there, and uh, it was a wonderful time. They were they were cordial and funny, and uh, everybody had some good laughs and and uh, had some good times. Um, and then uh, the next day, George took me to visit Ringo, and Ringo was just very straight ahead. He's just like I said, he's uh, he's present. He's he's there, you know. Other uh, entertainers very often uh, will show you their facade. You'll meet them and you will meet not necessarily their stage character or their show character, but some 
in-between character that they've developed to protect themselves from the public. And I've done a little of that myself, so I know why, and I don't blame anybody, but Ringo had very little of that. So, Peter, uh, at Wizard World, is there like a panel or a performance aspect, or is it just photos and autographs? I think it's mostly just photos and autographs. Uh, We did a Wizard World in Cleveland just recently, and we did a, 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 Mickey and I did a QA and a for an audience of, uh, oh, dozens, Um, and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh had a great time. You trotted out all our old jokes um, and uh, you know, generally made fools of ourselves with a grin on our faces. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, other than that, I think it's going to be just, uh, uh, just autograph signing, picture taking, handshaking, a um, few hugs here and there. And, uh, I, you know, I would love to do some performing. But it turns out that I'm a very narrow performer. I, I'm not good out of my out of my zone. So and uh, so, you know, arranging for it to be in my zone is a, is a bit tricky. So I find I don't perform often at these things. Uh, when I do, I have a great time. I perform, you know, with my band. I get Shusui Blues in there, and we do some bluesy versions of Monkey songs and some straight blues and some up tempo fifties rock and some great. You know, it's a, it's a nice. Palette, I always think, but it pretty much has to be my my bag, or I can't do very well. I'm, I'm clumsy if I'm not in my own zone. Next so week, I don't perform much at these things. Next weekend, it is uh, Wizard World Comic Con at America Center. Peter Tork taking part in that and joining us. And I've got more nostalgia just because I'm older than Tom. This is why I <laughs> keep going back to these places. I had read um, an interview with you, and it talked about... Uh, one of the experiences you had where Peter Fonda came up to you and thanked you for making Easy Rider. Now, was he just high, or was were you guys involved in the in the financing of that film? Not directly, no. But in fact, it was profits from the Monkeys Project that uh, that funded Easy Rider. So, in a way, in a way, he was accurate. It wasn't direct, you know. But uh, Peter and I have always uh, had a smile for each other ever since, uh, and uh, and I appreciated the remark because I know what he meant, and and uh, and it was a blast even to be you know peripherally involved. You know, when I say periphery, I mean way out on the periphery, but still, just to have any connection at all was great. Weren't you originally slated to be on that soundtrack? Uh, oh no! I just had this idea that I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote uh, I wrote a wonderful song for for it, and um, uh, uh, and uh, the the producers found that they could get a, a Bob Dylan song, and you know some, and they put okay Dylan Tor Dylan Tor all right. Well, it was a close call. <laughs> well, if you got to get bumped, <laughs> yeah, you got to get bumped. You get bumped by Dylan. <laughs> So, yep. all right, also in that movie was Jack Nicholson. And yeah, his his return role, that was the thing that rescued him. Before that, he was he was retired. He he had done enough Roger Corman, B-grade Hollywood films that he was sick of it. He didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, actually, that's not what rescued. Uh, it was it was Head that he, rescued Jack Nicholson. He had a writing credit in that. Was he that involved he, in writing in that film? Very much. He very much was a writer and producer. He and Bob Rafelson wrote and produced that movie together. And uh, so I got to hang with Jack for a bit, and that's an experience, too, I'll tell you. And then 
when uh, I mean you didn't see anything of him in head, but but it got him sort of back into it, and then the connection was the Fonda Hopper axis of evil, <laughs> and there there was uh, uh, and there was Nicholson at his wildest bestest, and that snapped him out of the the doldrums and put him back into the mainstream where he belongs and belonged. I talked to Mickey about this before, but it, I believe, still remains in the Guinness Book of World Records as one of the oddest billings of any band at all. And that was for Jimi Hendrix opening up for the Monkees on a few tours. And Mickey said that he made that happen. But from your eye view and being probably the most qualified musician in the Monkees, what was that experience like for you watching that otherworldly player on the same stage you were? It was stunning. It was a knockout. What do you think? I mean, poor, poor Jimmy, you know. We want monkeys. We want monkeys. <laughs> that was actual audio. <laughs> yeah. Tough luck for him. I mean, it was what it was. I don't know how you, I don't see how you can get into the Guinness Book of Records because there's no way to quantify that. But yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty wacko, all right. And, you know, Mickey thought, uh, Jimmy's a showman, and the kids thought this mother of God monster is playing hard music and and churning up my head and my heart, and I want my I want my little pet flop head boys. I want you know it was really very strange, but we got to listen to some Jimmy, and uh, you know there's never going to nobody's going to beat him. The the Jimi Hendrix channel, you know they tied it up and and and. Put it away when he was done. That was it. There's no, there's no getting further along that road. There were going to be lots of faster guitar players, lots of screaming, even louder now. But Jimmy did something that nobody else is ever going to do better than. And talk about not playing to your element. <laughs> we want yeah, not- baby. <laughs> Wizard World next weekend. Comic Con comes to America Center. WizardWorld.com to get tickets. One of the highlights right here, Peter Tork. Have a safe trip into town, and at least we know where Tom O'Keefe is now. I can't testify as to where he's going to be when you're here. So keep your hope. I expect I'll see him. Keep I'll hope. see you, Tom. Keep well, your hope. Tom so. Thank yeah, you. I'm a nerd. We take the kids. All right, Peter. <laughs> okay. So that's pretty cool. Peter Tork talking about a new Shoe Suede Blue CD. Looking forward to that, Melanie? Yeah, that one I'm looking forward to. I'm yeah. looking sideways at other things. Oh, okay. Well... We are always excited to hear about new music coming from any of the guys, and it's so cool. Peter Tork is finally ready to let this slip. More news will come, but that's not the only thing that's happening in St. Louis. What else is going on, Christine? So in addition to the Wizard World convention that's taking place this coming weekend at the America Center in St. Louis, Zilch is going to have a meetup early in the morning, Saturday morning uh, at 8 a.m., because we realize it's hard to coordinate everybody coming together at a convention where people are milling around and they're waiting in line. So we wanted everybody to be able to have their zilch buttons in hand. So we're going to have breakfast at a place called Rooster. Um, If you're interested, you can check out the Zilch St. Louis meetup page. If you need directions to that page, reach out to me on the Zilch Facebook page. We'll get you there. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. I know that Kim Hewins-Winner is going to be there and Luba Binga and hopefully Junebug. 
and a few other familiar St. Louis Facebook zilch friends. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm jealous. I wish I could come out for, to, to, for another visit, but I'll have to wait till later this fall. We can't do them all, I know, as much as it pains me to, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, my credit card it, yes, it would have some um, issues, so yeah. <laughs> so come and monkey around in St. Louis this coming weekend. As far as any of the appearances, check the show notes for the dates and times and all that sort of stuff. Friend of the show, Kim Campbell, recently went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And you know, this is something that we as Monkees fans care very much about. We all feel that the Monkees should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if there's going to be such a thing. The people that love music should be represented. Well, she took and she posted a picture of her at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with a zilch button right by the logo right there on the big stone as you walk into the place and it's kind of cool because it's almost like she's planting the flag on the moon you know what I mean it's like here we are <laughs> that's right that's great and she looked really wearing... good there too didn't it yeah it looks really cool and I believe she was wearing an induct the monkeys t-shirt Yes, she looks fantastically cool. It's it's so awesome. And she writes, My husband and I headed into Cleveland last night to stay with the family. We have tickets to see Mickey tonight in Ken, Ohio. So we thought we would pay a visit to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this morning. I put on my hashtag inductthemonkeys t-shirt, donned with my zilch button, and off we went. I really did enjoy the museum, but our guys really belong in there. They had a whole section on how television has been involved in music, and the whole time I'm thinking, the monkeys would totally fit here. I think it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's lost. The monkeys story is an original one and pertinent to the history of music. And as one picture shows, they don't mind selling their music in the gift shop. Anyway, I just wanted to share. Hashtag induct the monkeys. Hashtag who's got the zilch button. <laughs> that's great thank you kim you really did us proud absolutely. absolutely and and she it was it was neat she even posted a picture of the monkeys cds in the cd rack at the rock and roll hall of fame so she's absolutely right they don't mind making money off of them i think it's going to happen it has to happen right it's just a matter of time we've got to wear them down kim campbell planted a flag so here we go here I'm telling you, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, here we come. (laughs) I'm telling you, here we come. It's just a matter of time. Celebrate the anniversary of the Summer of Love with Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees, Mark Lindsay, former lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders, and the Fab Four.
see the 50 Summers of Love Tour coming your way. Yes, we want to make sure everybody is aware that the Fab Four, Mark Lindsay of Paul Revere and the Raiders, and Mickey Dolans will be playing the 50 Summers of Love Tour, and they will be coming near you. Look for tickets for the 50 Summers of Love Tour near you. Tickets going on sale now across the country. Check the Zilch Facebook page for more info. I'm so excited. I know that there's going to be a big meetup in St. Louis of all of us Zilch fans, and I know that Mickey will have the meet and greets there as well. It, this is going to be a great one. Uh, we're seeing them. Sarah, Christine, myself, and so many other wonderful Zilchers will be at the 50 Summers of Love stop at St. Louis at the Family Arena in St. Charles. October 13th. Make plans, join us. We look forward to meeting you. And of course, that means there will be buttons. And speaking of other Zilchers that will be there, we'd like to send a shout out to our good friend and fellow podcaster, Tom O'Keefe, who interviewed Peter Tork earlier in this episode. Check out his show, Real Spoilers. Take it away, Tom. Every week on Real Spoilers, what we do is we take that week's big release on the weeks that we guess right, and we spoil it for you. So if you saw a movie and you want to talk about it with your friends, but maybe maybe you don't have any friends, we can be your friends in podcast form. We'll talk about the movie in rich, vibrant detail, and it's kind of like a book club for movies. Yeah, we're so, just a bunch of movie nerds. Yeah, and you know? so it's just a long-form conversation about the movie, going through its plot, talking about what worked, and uh, a lot of times what didn't, and making fun of it when it doesn't work. And if you like the show, feel free to share it on uh, your Facebook, social media, Twitter, verse, thing, stuff. So that's what we do on Real Spoilers. It's like a book club for movies, only with less Oprah. So, Melanie. Yes? I see Mr. Jeff Hewlett over there and Ghosty Timmers. He's got his announcer hat on. You guys are getting ready to do the Monkey's Color Cast commentary for... The Prince and the Paupers. Now look, I can't go around impersonating a prince. I don't even know the girls who see through me in a minute. Come on, Davey, you know you're Mr. Charm when it comes to girls. Oh, really? Girls find him very sweet. He makes their teeth decay. <laughs> Guess I better get over there. Yep. Well, while you do that, uh, Sarah, Christine, and myself will join you all in the theater. And Sarah, you've got the, the big remote there? Yeah, I got the big remote. I got the popcorn. We're all set. All right, did you bring uh, licorice, Christine? You know I love licorice. I, I've got some red licorice for you, Ken. All right, thank you. Okay. All right, here we go into the monkey's screening room. Sarah, press that big button on that big remote. Call lick. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.36.30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest... We, what we wanted to play was on the Creamage. Creamage. How do you... The Monkeys, brought to you by Kellogg. Tonight's Monkeys Color Cast commentary is brought to you by Mr. Zero's Pawn Shop. When in L.A., stop and visit Mr. Zero's Pawn Shop. Our prices are so low you can get deals for a song or your soul. That's Mr. Zero's Pawn Shop. We'll be waiting for you.
Zilch Nation, and welcome to our color cast commentary for The Prince and the Paupers. I am Jeff Hewlett, and with me as always is Monkey Magic author Melanie Mitchell. Hello! Hi there, Melanie. How are you? I am just ducky, thanks. How are you? Ducky? I haven't heard that word in a long time. <laughs> so let's talk about some unfinished business from our previous color cast commentary, Monkeys in the Ring. And I think, Melanie, you've got quite a bit to cover here. Oh my God, you really keep me working hard on this. Let's start off with a big question. Mm -hmm. Was this the most falling down episode of the series? Oh. I could have reached through the phone line and strangled you when you <laughs> asked me that question. I knew what I was doing. Oh my God. I shudder to think what this one's going to be. There were 15 falls in the okay. episode Monkeys in the Ring, including six from Davy and two from the referee. Hmm. I found two episodes that have more what? falls. Yes. Yes. Um, the first one was the spy who came in from the cool. Mm -hmm. If you only count people who actually fell on camera, that is to say you saw them fall, mm -hmm. it was 17. Wow. Okay. That includes all the dancers who karate chopped each other during, <laughs> during that climactic scene. Yes. <laughs> However, if you freeze frame the moment when Boris is captured and then count mm -hmm. all the people who are on the floor, it's 21. Wow. Okay. So there were four additional people who fell down off camera. Hmm. So 15 in Monkeys in the Ring, 17 in Spy Who Came in the, from the Cool. Moving on to Monkeys in Paris, most, most falls of all, 20 falls wow. on camera, almost all of them monkeys. Wow. And, in fact, the only non-monkeys who fall in the entire episode are two of the girls who are chasing them. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they were pretty accident-prone in that episode. I don't even want to ask you how you went and did this research. Well, I just watched the episode and I counted. I mean, monkeys you mean, Did you watch every single episode that you oh, recalled no. someone falling in and count them? No, 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 no. No, I, I pretty much zeroed in on these two. I was okay. pretty sure that, you know, all the kids who were karate chopping each other and the spy who came in from the cool, you know, that's a lot of people falling down. And then uh, monkeys in Paris. I mean, think, think back to a couple of the really iconic scenes in monkeys in Paris. Hmm. There is a moment when a door opens and the four monkeys are standing in the doorway. Right. And it's the beginning of the song Star Collector. And oh, then all okay. four of them fall flat on their face. <laughs> well, that's four right there. There you go. And yeah. then at the end of the episode, all four of them fall down, theoretically, from the top of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> that's four. There's two of them falling into a swimming pool. Hmm. There is Mickey falling down when the girls are tearing his shirt off of him. <laughs> There's a lot of falling in that episode. <laughs> yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> certainly is a lot of physical acting on the part of the monkeys there but I, that is impressive and i you know i'm actually i'm glad i asked that question because this, this is a very interesting bit of research you did here so God, now we know make me do. These, are, these are great little monkeys facts and uh, maybe <laughs> would we ever have gotten around to asking these questions had we not done these color cast commentaries don't, i don't know don't 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 try to justify it <laughs> come on <laughs> It's a lot of fun. I know everybody out there in listener land appreciates this this type of insight into the God, monkeys. You're, you're going to have me counting cookie crumbs. Questions next. you never thought to ask. So. Uh, you had asked, were there any other solo romps? Mm. You know, we saw the, the romp that only had Davy in it when, during the song Laugh. 
And I immediately thought of the other one, which is in Alias Mickey Dolan's, where Mickey spends most of a romp sitting unconscious on the floor, but he was the only monkey in the scene. There's only one other romp that comes close to being a solo, and it's not quite. That's Pleasant Valley Sunday in the episode The Picture Frame. Mm -hmm. Peter searches for a clue while being pursued by two bad guys. Um, However, that romp includes several clips of all four monkeys playing Pleasant Valley Sunday in the Rainbow Room. Gotcha. And ends up in a courtroom where the other three monkeys are waiting. Hmm. So just as the song's fading away, we return to where everyone else is waiting. So technically that's not a solo romp, but it comes kind of close. So i got to give thanks to um, Facebook uh, members of the Monkey Magic group, Michael Lynch and Teresa Romeo, for those suggestions. Cool. Well, that's interesting, too. So it's kind of almost the only one, then. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Okay, so we can get back to our discussion of the Prince and the Paupers. What are you doing in those bizarre clothes? Really, now you're getting to be most eccentric. Now, look, uh, I don't really understand. You see, see, Mike read in the paper that that you were, um... (laughs) Hi, it's like the Prince and the Pauper. Before we... Jump into our actual commentary. We'll talk a little bit about the episode itself. And it originally aired on February 6th of 1967. Teleplay by uh, Gerald Gardner, D. Caruso, Sarah Peter Marison, and directed by uh, James Comack. This is his only Direction of a Monkey's episode. And he's because he did actually also direct one episode of Star Trek, the original series. The episode, A Piece of the Action, which famously was one of the comedy episodes or comedic episodes of the original series that kind of stuck in Gene Roddenberry's craw and, and eventually um, had him decree no more comedy episodes in Star Trek. This, along with Trouble with Tribbles, was enough to throw him over the edge. James Comack actually has a long career in uh, in television. And what what is about his career that appeals to you, Melanie? Well, I noticed that he became a producer not too long after The Monkees, and he was the producer of one of my favorite childhood TV series, which was The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Yeah. And he also was the producer of two of my favorite teenage years series. I'm going to show how old I am. Chico and the Man and Welcome Back, Cotter. I remember Welcome Back, Cotter. Mm -hmm. I remember when that was on. I was a very young man when that was on, but... uh... I remember that. My mom loved that show. Mm-hmm. He was also involved in many of the other familiar haunts that many of our actors and directors and writers for these shows were involved in as well. Uh, My Favorite Martian. Everybody was involved in that, of course. Combat Green Hornet. Get Smart. Dick Van Dyke Show. Tons of them. So um, a lot of the familiar places. Uh, James Comack spent some time. And let's see here. We've got quite a sizable cast here of individuals and let's see where should we start uh how about count myron what do you think well count myron was played by oscar Beregi jr Mm -hmm. Uh, he was born and raised in hungary and appeared multiple times on many tv shows of the 60s and 70s almost never playing the same character twice So as I was reading through his IMDb biography, I kept coming across, you know, three episodes of this, four episodes of that, but a different character every time. 
His only recurring role seems to have been on the TV show The Untouchables, where he played a mob boss named Joe Kulak. He appeared in three episodes of The Twilight Zone, six episodes of 77 Sunset Strip, three episodes of The Wild Wild West, four episodes of the FBI, five episodes of Green Acres, three episodes of Get Smart, and ones and twos of just about everything else. Wow. Quite Different characters every time. <laughs> yeah, quite a career. Quite a career. Uh, let's see, who else is in this one? How about Joe Higgins, who played Max? Actually, also it appeared in uh, Here Come the Monkeys as a country club guard and as a masseur in Find the Monkeys. He also played, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, because I never actually watched The Rifleman. Is it Niles Swenson or Nils? I think Nils is the right Nils? way to pronounce okay. it. Nils Swenson. Uh, he played him in 21 episodes of The Rifleman. I, I honestly can say I never watched The Rifleman, but I remember the intro to that show <laughs> and the music for some reason. I think my grandfather used to watch it, so I, and I just all I remember is that introduction. And he also played uh, Jake Shakespeare in 24 episodes of Arrest and Trial. So uh, he had uh, recurring roles as a sheriff in both Green Acres and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Now, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, I remember watching when I was a kid. <laughs> Those Sid and Marty Croft shows, very interesting. Okay, we had uh, Heather North playing Wendy and also having a very brief role as a young reporter. Um, she had roles in Karen, Mr. Novak, Gidget, the Fugitive, My Three Sons, Green Acres, Love American Style, Ironside, and Adam 12. But she's best known as the voice of Daphne Blake of the Scooby-Doo Gang. Ah, Daphne. Yes, yes. I'm very familiar. I was always a, a Velma guy, but uh, Daphne, yeah. That, most, most of the dudes dug Daphne back in the day. Oh, Velma was my speed, too. Yeah, I was always a Velma guy. So let's see who else. Uh, oh, we've got uh, David Price as the chemist. Now, this guy is so interesting in this episode. Uh, he doesn't do a heck of a lot, but what he does do is really quirky and weird. So he was also one of Davy's stand-ins, and last time we saw him, he was wearing a yellow sweater and dragging a chair down the sidewalk in the episode Too Many Girls. Uh, according to IMDb, he appeared on screen in 22 episodes of The Monkees. Can you name them all, Melanie? I can probably name a few. Mm. Um, I know he's glimpsed uh, in the movie set on, um, I, I've got a little song here. And he does a bit of business with a sandwich during the motorcycle race in The Wild Monkees. Ah, very cool. And he's also one of uh, Wizard Glick's henchmen in <gasps> Mijikojo. Oh, then he's become one of my favorite background actors is that's my favorite monkeys episode but it's gonna be so long till we get there i can't wait to get there but let's not wish time away let's not wish time away so after the monkeys ended david price did some work as a sound recordist and mixer on other shows we had uh donald foster playing a courtier uh he's the first person we see wearing that very elaborate blue costume he also appeared in two other Monkeys episodes, first as the owner of a Rolls Royce in the episode Success Story, and later he'll appear as a bank manager in the picture frame. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And let's see, finally, we have uh, the venerable Rodney Bingenheimer, who has a very interesting uh, career and life. I mean, there's a, there's so much to talk about. I have to kind of summarize and encapsulate it. He was born December 15th, 1947. He's still with us at the age of 69. 
and he's most famous for being a an American radio disc jockey on the Los Angeles rock station K-Rock. And so he developed a reputation for being the first American DJ to identify and play uh, what they call it, edgy, punky artists and some of the, the 80s more electronic artists. And he actually had a documentary made about his life uh, called The Mayor of Sunset Strip. And in 2007, he was actually honored with the 2330th star on Hollywood Boulevard. But before all that happened, he worked as an intern at Mercury Records and was an escort to David Bowie to a bunch of L.A. hotspots before he auditioned for Davy Jones' part on The Monkees, which he didn't get. But uh, he dressed like Davy and had a similar haircut, so he wound up getting a role as a stand-in for Davy on the ep- on this episode we're going to talk about today, which wound up being kind of a break in his career. And after this, he went on to not be in TV shows very much, but he went on to be a nightclub owner and operator on the famous Sunset Strip, after which he began his run on the K-Rock radio station, which he still continues to this day. Uh, He did have some appearances in TV and films, such as Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke, Rock and Roll High School, Repo Man, and, I believe this is a monkey's first, he has also appeared on SpongeBob SquarePants. Davey appeared on SpongeBob SquarePants. Did he really? I You've didn't. not seen the this clip of Davy on SpongeBob no, SquarePants? Melanie, can we we let's not get into SpongeBob SquarePants because I have some okay. serious issues with SpongeBob SquarePants. So I can I can go off on a tirade here if we get too into it. I, I don't want to do that. But uh, nice that Davy appeared on the show. It's a very popular show. <laughs> it's <laughs> have, very funny. I'll have to send it to oh, you. It's funny. It's, oh, it's only about ten seconds long, but he's okay. <laughs> you can send it to me, and I'll try to to. To simmer down my seed as I watch it. As, uh, okay. I'm, 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 I have a serious <laughs> problem with SpongeBob. But at any rate, uh, let's see. One thing I neglected to mention was I did mention that the show aired on February 6th, but I neglected to mention that filming wrapped on December 19th of 66. And um, let's see. We only have one song in this episode, which I thought was a little sad. They could have had another romp in there, but uh, it was Mary Mary and, oh, Melanie, what song did they replace it with in 1970? <laughs> it was on Saturday mornings. They replaced Mary Mary with 99 pounds. Oh, why? Got to sell changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to sell copies of that record, man. <laughs> oh, okay. So is there anything else that we need to touch on before we begin our actual commentary track for this? I'll say that it was the 25th um, episode filmed, but mm. the 21st episode aired, so it got bumped a little earlier. Mm. Um, the turnaround time for this episode was about seven weeks, which for the first season yeah. was pretty short. Yeah, nice. Interesting. Well, there wasn't uh, wasn't a lot of uh, breaks had to be edited, but you know, for the, 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 the split screens that they had to do in a few of the, the, the scenes, it's pretty impressive they could turn it around that quick. Actually, now that you mention it, the episode that was filmed immediately after this one, because I know it was right before Christmas, and you said this one ended on twelve nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that wrapped, I think, on twelve twenty three, which is just a few days later, was Alias Mickey Dolan's, which was the other split screen episode. Oh wow! Wow, he's right. I'm like, oh my god, they did both of them in a row. Look at that. So Davey right. finished this one, and then he flew home to England for for the holiday and. Because yeah. uh, Davey isn't in uh, Alias Mickey Dolan's at all. All right. Yeah, and Mickey said, I want a split screen episode of my own. 
<laughs> I'm not going to be upstaged by Davy Jones. But, sire, they might marry. I don't think so. I told her that he was sly, malicious, a pathological liar, and a sadist. Yes, but what did you tell her was wrong with him? <laughs> All right, so we are going to get ready here to do our color cast commentary for the prince and the pauper and as we always ask you to do if you're going to watch along with us go ahead and queue up your blu-rays your dvds your youtubes your netflix your whatever you got and uh, we'll give you a three count when we're ready to start and then you can press play and sync up with us and listen along as we babble through this one so um melanie are you ready to start i'm ready to start all right, listener land, we are going to start our commentary track in three, two, one. All right, so Mickey's facial expression did not match the painting that he's standing in front of, but Peter's kind of did a little bit. <laughs> I'd like to point out in a moment, we're going to see a purple poster on the wall, and that poster is a coat of arms and it's the coat of arms of the United Kingdom, oh. circa 1600. Why it's on the wall of the Peruvian embassy, I do not know. Hmm. Maybe that was what they had in the, in the hallway of the dance hall. Right. Retrofit it to be <laughs> redecorated here. <laughs> and by the way, the Peruvian embassy, if there was such a thing, would be in Washington, D.C., not Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Another good thing to point out. Um. I kind of like the fact that they changed the typical monkeys going for an audition thing to the monkeys being more proactive and kind of <laughs> knowing that there was going to be something going on here, a ball of some sort, and kind of jumping in and, and trying to get in front of everybody else who may show up. Sure, so yeah. Cool. Definitely definitely working to get the job, and that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And, oh, so, go oh ahead. boy. We are now introduced to uh, Davy's body double here as uh, the <laughs> Prince Ludlow. But I wanted to quickly, while we're doing the credits here, the opening sequence here, I wanted to mention that they, did, there seemed to be a lot of decorations in that room. I feel like they kind of emptied out the prop closet <laughs> for all the chairs and tables and flags and curtains and stuff. They had two copies of the usurper against the wall. <laughs> And model 309 up on the dais uh, from Royal Flush. By the way, this episode is very derivative of Royal Flush. It is. One of these days, I'm going to make a list of all the things those two episodes have in common, including the 18th birthday of the young royal right. personage and an evil uncle who uh, has it in for the royal. And it just goes on and on and on. Uh, it really is, in many ways, a rehash Sort of a cross between Royal Flush and One Man Shy with a little bit of alias Mickey Dolan's thrown <laughs> in for good in. measure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let's see. We're, we're back from the opening credit sequence here. And uh, we're right back with Davey talking to Davey's doppelganger. Yeah. And, and now we start to see Roddy Bingham's back. Yes. And he's, Technically he's, not a stand-in. He's a body double. He is. And I have to say, in this couple scenes that Rodney is in, he is really good at standing perfectly still. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's like stone still right there, like a mannequin almost. Well, he has to be careful. Yeah, he can't expose um, and, the face. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting split screen, mm -hmm. right? The, the throne is kind of offset. It's not really a well 
uh, framed and staged shot. But uh, I guess they did what they had to do. Well, if the throne was in the middle, then the split screen would go right down the middle of the throne. It'd be really hard to line everything up. That is true. That is true. But now I I know I'm going to get crucified for saying this, but I didn't think that Davy's portrayal of the prince in this particular sequence was that great. It kind of bugged me a little. The whole twiddling with the metals thing yeah. really got on my nerves. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure why they filmed this particular scene with the silhouettes. Well, I have some questions about these silhouettes, by the way, Melanie. Uh-huh. This is something that I was wondering a bit uh, about. But it doesn't appear very clear to me how exactly these shadows are being cast. Because you see them dueling here, and they're being lit from their left. But So that would, that would imply that these shadows are being cast on the right-hand wall. But if that was the case, the wall would be behind... Uh, the count there and their shadows would be overlapping not necessarily well, side to side the wall that the shadows are being cast on is also a plain painted wall yes it is with well a slight purple cast to it and the wall that they're standing against now is paneled in wood so there's like a ton of things wrong with this scene and there's <laughs> david price as the chemist i do not understand this character I, I don't uh, either, but I think that it's fascinating that, that what we'll find out is a vial of poison has to be kept under constant heat from yeah. an open flame. <laughs> so what exactly? And he's working on some sort of a, like a knife sharpening yeah. apparatus. So what does that have to do with the actual poison there? Is like there a little apothecary shop there? No idea. And in case anyone hasn't figured it out yet, this is the ballroom set with the green walls and the pilasters and all that stuff. You've heard me say it a thousand times oh, before. Yeah. Yep, this um, one's been seen so many times <laughs> before. Um, oh, and there was a I, we we missed the fourth wall break there a little bit earlier. You know how I love to point those out where um, mm -hmm. Ludlow talks about how he told the producers it was a yeah a silly idea. But uh, I always love those fourth wall breaks. The monkeys do them so well. Yeah, they jumped in very enthusiastically to rip off Rodney Bingenheimer's clothing. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, we're going to see occasionally in these scenes a, a purple flag on the dais. A yes. A purple flag with a big gray cross in the middle and a smaller white star. Oh, yeah, the joke with the breakaway cane is really getting on my nerves. It yeah, happened so it many several times. Several times, yeah. And there's now, poor, poor that Wendy. gag I really liked, by the way, how when they're looking through that peephole, when they change who's looking, they have to close it and reopen it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was well done. I wonder if that was improv or if that was something they were directed to do. Now, I'd like to say something right now to Davy. Davy, okay. either find a place for the young lady to sit down or stand up. You're rude. <laughs> She's standing there with her coat on and he's just sprawled on the chair talking to her. Well, he's like, prince. yeah. He's not being charming at all. He's being rude. Well, he's a prince. Well, hasn't hasn't she been told and warned ahead of time that he's uh, all sorts of horrible, vile things? Oh, <laughs> Which God. is why she tries to break up with him. Yeah, and she should. Run, Wendy, run. Oh, absolutely. Run fast, run far. <laughs> I mean, Ludlow seems like a decent enough guy, but the poor woman, she is just so misused in this episode. Oh, absolutely. And there's some there's some also some very unrealistic and unbelievable things about her past. One oh, of yeah. which being how she stole away at 16 and got an apartment in uh, Greenwich Village. 
Now, I don't know about... I mean, yeah, granted, this was the, the 60s, but come on, man. Those are expensive apartments. How did she afford that? <laughs> well, Peter had an apartment in Greenwich Village. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess she didn't say if she had roommates or not. Yeah. Uh, so the, the purple flag that you mentioned... Which I, tried I thought to find we were going to see, but... Yeah, it's there somewhere, but I, I, it's, I Googled around and tried to find out what it's an actual flag for, but um, I couldn't find anything. Well, I, I love vexillology, and I've studied a lot of flags. It, it is not a real flag. It's okay. not a real flag of any real place. Um, and no vexillologist who was worth his salt would put purple and gray together on a flag. It's a horrible combination. Hmm. But that flag actually appears in another monkey's episode. It does. And it proves something about another royal family that we hmm. see in the monkeys. And that other episode is fairy tale. Hmm. That purple flag with a gray cross and the white star appears in the opening scene of fairy tale, which means it's entirely possible that Prince Ludlow is a direct descendant of Princess Gwen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Excellent. It makes me wonder what that flag was actually made for. I, I, hmm. It's not. It's not the same piece of cloth. It's a. It's a different shape. It's a different size, and it's made hmm. of different fabric. But it's a purple flag with a big gray cross and a white star in exactly those colors and 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 forms. So, I don't know. Somebody hmm. just thought to put those together and make. Oh, I love this with Peter and the heavy crown. Heavy crown, yeah. It's another instance where Peter made something look heavy that wasn't really heavy, like the tray in Monkeys a la Carte. Yes, that's he. He did a really good job with that because it actually did look like it was heavy when it hit Davy's head. So I don't know where they got the flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something I I noticed uh, about this episode is that you know the the prince has Davy's British accent and Max and um, and the Count do not have British accents, but they're all supposed to be from the same place. I thought actually, that was a little suspect. Max, Max and the Count actually have a fairly good approximation of each other's accent. I don't know what Oscar Breggy's normal voice sounds like, but I know that Joe Higgins has a fairly average American accent because we've seen him in other episodes. Hmm. Um, and Oscar Breggy is from Hungary. But not only does Ludlow not have a similar accent, but the chemist doesn't. No, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And uh, and the courtier, the other guy with the breakaway cane, mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah, so so not not the greatest of continuity. No. Here, but um, <laughs> it's a nice try nonetheless. And I have to say, this I can't believe Davy didn't get hurt getting pushed back in the chair this this many times watch watch after davy's crown falls off the last time he doesn't get pushed he does it on his he own just sits back down. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't notice that before <laughs> uh, that's wonderful physical comedy with the two of them the timing on it is just wonderful i agree and it's not one of those things about the show that i really love the fact that they do all their own stuff yeah the crown's starting to fall apart though yeah, it's not taking the damage very well. It looks like it's a little <laughs> looser on Davy's head than it was before. And here we have a Fibber McGee and Molly joke yep. from the dawn of radio. Yep, which open will the closet. reoccur. Yep. <laughs> it will reoccur later. Keep your eyes open, people. Yep. 
little uh, fourth wall break there with the wrong door. Yeah, and here's our here's the monkey again. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they have Ludlow. Where the, the, he's got a trench coat and looks like a reporter's cap. Yeah, they they found some very large clothing to smuggle him out of the embassy with. Really bad table manners on the part of both Mickey and Peter. Yeah. Peter takes a bite of some uh, potato chips and then drops them back in the bowl. Uh, double dipping. Yeah. Um, so now I have never seen this his and her chair in the monkey's pad before. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't necessarily recall now it's already passed, but there was kind of a painting of a stein on the wall behind Davy's head uh, to, to Mickey's right mm-hmm. back there that I don't recall seeing. It may have been there before, but... Um, yeah, it's been there for a while. Okay. So uh, the chemist is about to suggest that they do something during the dueling lesson. Mm-hmm. Who in the world takes dueling lessons? Later, yeah. they'll call it a fencing lesson, which is what it really is. Well, I, su- I suppose <laughs> that you know, that was something that uh, we perceived people of royal lineage of doing back then. They always had to do these lofty things like horseback riding and and fencing lessons and and sailing or yachting of sorts and sure but dueling sure that involves that involves killing somebody well he may have to defend his country's honor right uh, at least it's 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 with uh, with swords not with pistols although we will see some pistols near the end of the episode now, I don't understand do this out. this joke about Davies hasn't had anything to eat since breakfast they just said it's six o'clock yeah i don't i don't get that either i wasn't sure where that came in it, it that almost felt like something that they were just messing around with and before the the scene actually started like what is that that mike is eating like a salami it's a salami i mean why does he have a salami i don't understand this that is very why strange are, why are they doing a fencing lesson with a protective uh, clothing, but not with the the face masks, which are all lined up on the wall there. Yeah, if you notice earlier when the Count and Max were dueling, neither of them were wearing a mask, but the guy in the background was wearing a mask. Yeah, right. <laughs> he wasn't involved, but there are masks clearly hanging on the wall behind them that they could have used. Yeah. Well, who knows? I, and of course, you know, how did Davy know whether Ludlow was skilled with a a fencing sword or not mm-hmm. i guess he would assume he was but it just it seems a little weird that he was so cocky about his ability you know saying that he was going to compose a poem and disarm you with the last line you know that sort of thing was sounds like a very s- davy thing to do though uh, yeah. <laughs> now that was kind of goofy sticking the plant but i guess we had to get the acknowledgement that davy did have the poison mm-hmm. saber yeah there. there's your purple flag with the gray cross and the white yeah, star there it is there and there's is. poor Wendy. She's back. And there's the other and, stick breaking again. My God. <laughs> so really? We're, we're what, 15 minutes or so in almost, and there's no romp yet. Nope. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? We're 14 yeah. and a half minutes in and not a single romp yet. Is this the, is this the longest we've gone without a romp? In a month I'll have to do some research on this, but <laughs> it's... It's definitely something that was true in the in the second season that the mm. romp would come at the end of the episode and there wouldn't be one up until then. Um, less so in the first season, but there might have been one. Yeah, this one doesn't this one doesn't happen until the very end, almost the very end, uh, prior to the epilogue. Yeah, happening kind of like the wrap up. 
And this whole thing with, you know, okay, she's agreed to marry him, so let's have the wedding tonight. Okay, well, first of all, you're in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You're not in Peruvia. Seems to me you're going to have the royal wedding back in Peruvia. Secondly, you'd want the royal wedding to have, oh, I don't know, guests and all of the trip, you know, trappings of a royal wedding. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have it in the embassy in Los Angeles or in front of godly knows who. Potentially, you know, but I think the, two hours after she accepted, the I think the urgency of the timing, though, may have accelerated it. So um, what was the time frame that he said that he was going to turn 18 uh, when? No, no. He had a month. Oh, it was well, it was yeah. stated somewhere in the episode that there was a month. OK, fair so enough. So it's hmm. artificially rushed uh, just yeah. for the purpose of the plot. Perhaps they should have written it so he only had a few days or a week yeah. or something that would have made it make a little more sense. And up, up, up. The boys but have it, been caught. Yeah, but, you know, at some point you got to tell Wendy what's going on. Yeah, I'm just, it bugs me that they never did. Now, is, is Max using a, uh, almost like a Civil War era <laughs> pistol nah. there? It's a dueling pistol, and now it's time for your dueling lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the poor monkeys. And here we have an example of of Mickey uh, being the coward, which is something that crops up occasionally in an episode where when somebody has to behave cowardly, Mickey's the one who says, can you recommend a restaurant? I love that Mike (laughs) was the obstinate one here. And was refusing to leave. Like, ah, we're not going anywhere. And the other guys go along with it until the death threat happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're out of there. And now we're going to have more of the flicking each other's medals, which is a... Yeah, remember weird. earlier we had Ludlow playing with his medals. And I don't know what is being implied here, but there's something I, being yeah. applied here. I, okay, I, I have to say this. I have to say this. Okay. Mowage. <laughs> little princess bride reference eh? check this out she presents Danielle, and the clergyman goes the other direction it's like yeah. they're doing an alaman left in the middle of the church it's like <laughs> the clergyman doesn't take a walk <laughs> at the beginning of the ceremony and we never see wendy's face this is all shot from behind oh, we don't get to see her react to the news yeah I wonder, was, do you think that was really her or was that somebody standing in? Rodney Bingenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was sick that day. Couldn't well, we be... eventually do see her face during the romp. But yeah. I just, it burns me that they couldn't get a shot of, oh, there she is. You know, oh, couldn't get a shot of her face when she's told she's been stood up at the altar. Oh, are Mike and the, um, and the little old escort guy wearing the same jacket. Well, there's two of them, which means we don't know which one of those was the one that appeared in the Star Trek episode. Oh, boy. Ah, it might not have been the same one in Star Trek. The mystery thickens. Oh, my goodness. Now, answer me this question, audience or Melanie. What embassy has a dungeon with a dungeon keeper (laughs) Which embassy has a chemist's boiling poison while he sharpens knives in the dueling room? (laughs) Uh, now, here's another question for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this is an easier one. How often do the monkeys themselves get this violent? Punching and knocking somebody out that way. Oh, you know, it kind of reminds me of a scene in Head. But I want to point something out about the patty cake routine. Oh, yeah, Which good. appeared in 
several of the road movies with Bob Hope and uh, Bing Crosby. Um, however, the specific movie that they mentioned, which I'm pretty sure was Road to Morocco, the patty cake routine in that movie did not work. Hmm. Interesting. So interesting that they chose that particular title when they asked the the guard. So I love Mike here. Such a great <laughs> stall. He does a great job. <laughs> now, Amy, uh, Wendy at this point should be totally freaked out. I'm yeah. the real Ludlow. Hello. Yeah, I this can't... is your wedding, and you don't even know which guy you're getting married to. Yeah, I could. And look at she just kind of gazes at him slyly there, <laughs> as if she. Well, you know what? I guess maybe uh, maybe Davy told her off screen. Ah. And we also have the the Count and Max trying. You know, they're upset. Oh my God, our our plans are being foiled. Our foils are being planned, <laughs> and they attack the monkeys. Yeah. Excuse me, but it seems to me that what you were trying to do was stop the wedding. Yeah. Well, this begs another question: is that once the prince entered the room, why wouldn't he not have just called for their arrest immediately? The plot was up. Yeah. He already knew. He could have just walked in and said, "Arrest those two guys." Now I'm getting married. He said he waited until the end of the romp, after all this violence that's going on during his wedding ceremony, right. ruining his wedding cake. Now, does this romp not remind you of the romp at the end of Royal Flush? Yes. You've got food being thrown around, and you've got sword fighting. Yes, and Peter really squeezed into that set of armor, didn't he? Yeah. It does not look like it's big enough for his head. It looks like he's really crammed in. I think it's the same uh, armor that uh, Davy uh, went into in the move in the episode Monkey See, Monkey Die. Oh. Now, let me tell you, I have a, a bit of a traumatic uh, reaction to, to part of this romp because I was actually hit square in the forehead with a champagne cork, just like Count Myron was uh, several oh my years God. ago. And oh, God, yes, I had a welt on my forehead for weeks and I saw stars for a, a good 15, 20 minutes after wow. I got hit with that champagne cork. And uh, every time I see a champagne cork or a champagne bottle being opened uh, anywhere near me, I always leave the room. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to point out two things. Go ahead. Uh, Mike was taking a swig from the champagne bottle uh, oh. just a few moments ago. And also, there's a moment earlier on when um, Max caught a cork in his mouth, mouth yeah. and looked at it with crossed eyes. Mm. There's an identical shot of the same actor doing that with a ping pong ball. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the pilot, same actor. He was playing the guard in the, in the uh, country club. Wow, he reprised his role. <laughs> <laughs> so Wendy's perfectly happy to walk off with a total stranger. Yeah, whatever. Prince, <sighs> it's a prince. Every they're all happy with their princes, aren't they? I I think that I I don't know exactly when it was that Princess Grace married the the Prince of Monaco. I think that that was something of a current fantasy mm. for young women that their prince of a small obscure country would come and want to marry an American yep. and take her off to be a glamorous princess. There you go. So I think that's what they were going for was that Wendy was so happy for an opportunity to be a princess. Probably. But I sure hope that she and Ludlow are happy together, but I really don't like the way this marriage was set up. Yeah. I this was an adorable scene with Mike telling the story of Lin Fu Yang. It was, <laughs> it was now, this I, I like the fact that we're getting a little bit of an epilogue here, mm -hmm. and 
I was totally on board with this epilogue until the very end of it. Yeah. Just I like more... that we're seeing... Sorry. Sorry. No, it's okay. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. But I like that we're seeing Mickey wearing glasses, which we very seldom do. Yeah, I was going to ask you about those glasses. I think they're choice. his. I think they're his. Really? I've seen pictures of him in a in a uh, teen magazine wearing them. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe he whipped them out to read the newspaper there. Mm-hmm. But you know, once again, we've got poor Davy, who's now brokenhearted, got hung up on the girl. We've seen this before. Yeah. Yeah, where Davy's hung up on a girl, and we'll see it again too. But um, I, I think that, in in my opinion, and I, I don't know, I'm sure you share the same opinion, but I feel like the the female characters in this episode get treated pretty poorly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll agree with you that. <laughs> I, I just... But I have to say. Even though the actress is the same actress who played Wendy, the first thing that pops into my mind is, there's Anne Moses. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Anne. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so I get it. She's a teen mag reporter looking for the monkeys, but I, I didn't get this almost instantaneous physical relationship. I, I thought that was kind of a little questionable there. You thought he would at least put some stars in her eyes first. Yeah, exactly. Or, or talk to her for 10, 15 minutes. But we don't have yeah. enough time in the episode to get there. But uh, uh, All right, so we've come to the end of The Prince and the Paupers. And we've got to do our most valuable monkey picks. And uh, Melanie and I will vote. But we've also got a laundry list of votes from you guys out there in listener land and we had called for some early voting so i'm going to leave it up to you melanie do you want to do our votes first or do you want to do our listeners votes first oh let's let's read the listeners votes first okay so um we've got 15 votes for davy jones maybe we'll break them uh into uh, smaller chunks here i'll do the first five and i'm gonna say i'm gonna mispronounce this person's name right off the bat it's is it Tavia Zaldivar? I'm not I don't sure. know I, how she I, pronounces it. It's a good I guess. Apologize if I messed up your name. Uh, feel free to, uh, to to lambast me on the on the Facebook group if I did. And uh, she says uh, she voted for Davy because I just adore cute little Peruvian English characters. Uh, so you also adore the uh, chemist and the... <laughs> yes <laughs> so uh, the next two votes come from some of our own zilch family so ken mills and christine wolf both voted for davy followed by Joni griffin and suzanne gee okay michelle taylor said voting for davy he took on a huge responsibility as a prince just as a favor to someone he didn't even know and he gets the girl at the end anyway also voting for Davey, we had Sandy Blanton, Peter Kalil, and Brian Harwell, who said, because it shows his devotion to helping others, regardless of the consequences. He risked his life, the lives of his three best friends, and didn't even get the girl he was in love with. All that for someone he didn't know. Those are some strong moral values on his part. Ah, that's nice. That's a nice comment. Thanks, Brian. Uh, let's see. We've also got votes from Cindy Heath. Jane Knight, Audrey Zelenko, uh, tried to vote for Davy twice, vote early and often. <laughs> and let's see, George Libretti, John Harris, and finally, my wonderful friend and colleague on our uh, music roundtables, Melinda Gildart, saying he got the girl, lost the girl, and found another girl all in one episode. So 
pretty accomplished for for Davy Jones there. Now there were a couple votes that were did not go to Davy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Telgren voted for Mike and said because he gives such great advice in that episode. Davy, hmm. this is okay, but who am I going to tell him you are? Mike, whatever's right. Ha 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 ha! She says, turned out to be an awesome song too. So when Mike said to tell him whatever's right, he was predicting the song title. Uh, whatever's right, whatever's right. Uh, good call, good call. <laughs> Which is why Mike got the vote in that episode. All right. And finally, Keith Combs cast his vote for Rodney Bingenheimer. <laughs> nice try, Keith. It doesn't count. <laughs> All right. So, Keith, if you want to recast your vote, please do. Uh, well, I guess that makes it time for our most valuable monkey episodes melanie would you like to go first well i'm gonna go against the grain a little bit i realize that the the push is to to vote for davy but i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it to mike for his speech about lin fu yang the way he delivered that speech and that story was just adorable i agree i agree um so i i have a little bit of a dilemma here for my mvm vote obviously like you said the uh, the obvious choice is Davey, and he's been overwhelmingly chosen by our Zilch listening audience. And I can completely see why, and everybody's uh, choices are completely valid, and I agree with them all. Although I have a slight inclination, uh, and this is the problem I'm having, is that I think that Mickey and Peter both deserve a lot of credit for breaking Ludlow out of the dungeon, uh, taking on that evil dungeon master and uh, punching him out and freeing Ludlow at great personal risk, but I can't vote for two of them. I won't let you. <laughs> nope. And I can't, so I can't split my vote between Mickey and Peter. So I don't think that uh, I can vote for either one of them individually since they're both equally responsible for that. So I guess I'm going to have to go for Davey on this one uh, okay. <laughs> since Melanie won't let me split my vote. <laughs> or let you vote for Rodney Bingenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, it looks like uh, at this point, Davey is in the lead uh, with 16 votes, including mine. And Mike has got two votes, uh, no votes for any other monkey. So guys out there, if you want to try to even the score, you got a wide gap to fill yeah. in here. But uh, it looks like Davey is going to be the victor. In this well, yeah, yeah, this is the year of the come from behind victory. So. Uh, true. True. Uh, oh, that's all right. Oh, I was referring to the Super Bowl. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm not much of a sports guy, so uh, so don't don't kill me for saying that. But all right, uh, this uh, brings us to the end of another color cast commentary. Melanie, anything you want to say in closing? I think that pretty much sums it up. All right. Thanks again out there for listening to us, Zilch Nation. We love you all, and thank you for your pre-voting and potential post-voting for this episode and we will see you on our next color cast commentary bye thank you for tuning in to tonight's monkeys color cast i'm your announcer ghosty timmers now back to the show we want to thank you melanie and Jeff Hewlett and Ghosty for for that. It was very cool. And we'd also like to thank the one, the only Michael Lynch for some of his theme music used there. And we'd like to thank the monkeys. We'd be nowhere without them, right? At least the show would be nowhere without them. Yeah, the show would be very different. Yeah. It'd be a lot quieter. Yes. Well, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilch. 
We've got so much more coming. Round tables, more color cast commentaries, Mickey on the road, shoe suede blues news. So much going on. We will see you on the next episode of Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. Bye. And that's our see show. everybody. And that's our show. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. They have a different name. And now 90 minutes of silence. It could be called The Sounds of Silence, but that might be a Simon and Garfunkel podcast. Could you imagine that? A Sounds of Silence podcast? Anyway. It's funnier in my head. Uh, So we want to thank... Quiet, isn't it? Yeah, it's quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my teeth. I'm on your last nerve, aren't I? <laughs> Ken, I didn't realize you were going to try to put this out before the weekend, before next weekend. If yep. you're going to yeah. mention um, Wizard World, do you want to mention that we're having a meetup that morning? Yep. Okay. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, sealed Theater of Dust. No, what, what do we want to call it? <laughs> what do we want to call it? Movie time. The Cookie Free Zone. How, how, no, no. How about... Uh, <laughs> How about the monkeys screening room? Yeah, that, there we go. So what? So. What's this? We Want the Monkeys podcast is on Zilch. Hello, America. This is Dave, the Avon Lady. What you are hearing is correct. We Want the Monkeys, your second favorite monkeys podcast, is joining Zilch. This mega merger of epic proportions will rock the monkey world down to its very core. Soon, you will be able to enjoy the history of the monkeys on Zilch. You have been listening to We Want the Monkeys on iTunes. Now you can hear it right here. Hashtag Zilch Nation for life. Hi again, fellow Monkeys fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Araculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new Monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Where we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, The Monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, The Monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. Our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history... You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to Blockspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. Hi, I'm Megan from Same Page Cast. And I'm Craig from Same Page Cast. Hey, Craig. Where do you go when you want to hear the latest monkey's news? 
Oh, come on. I go to Zilch. Of course, Zilch. And if you're looking for even more Monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Skywalkers. Hey, listen. Hey, hey, Zilch Nation. Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife, Sarah, on Skywalking Through Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we're also big monkey fans, too, so of course we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews, like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. Uh, <laughs> do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland, wherever podcasts are played, and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland, Neverland on Alderaan. Or Mammoth Studios. I get that now. <laughs> Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Hey, hey, ape fans. Did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s, a live-action series in 1974, and an animated series in 1975? And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series to a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. <laughs> That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! There are so many crossovers between the monkeys and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us you can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape! You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some? 
from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972. One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmar, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks.